This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Stu does America. PlaysTV.com slash Stu. I think you could use the code SUMMIT and save 30 bucks still. You should probably do that, right? If you're going to subscribe to Blaze TV, why not save 30 bucks? And you can get access to all the stuff that we talked about uh, and we're going to be discussing here today from the Blaze Media Summit that happened uh, this past Friday, including, by the way, an exclusive interview between Glenn Beck and Tucker Carlson. That's only for Blaze TV subscribers. Uh, BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The code SUMMIT will get you 30 bucks off. So we're doing the Blaze Media Summit. Going through this, you may not have been able to see all of it. It was a full day of action. It really was. And I think it was kind of the first day of the campaign. That's what it felt like. It felt like the first day that something happened in the campaign since we uh, kicked this thing off. And we're now, what, a month away from the first debate, about six months away from the first votes being cast in, in, the, in the Iowa caucuses. And that's where we were in Des Moines, uh, talking uh, to all these candidates. And Tucker was doing uh, most of the, uh, he did all the onstage interviews. We talked to several of the candidates afterward. We'll get into some of that here in a little bit. But I want to walk you through some of the big moments uh, from uh, Friday's action, if you happen to miss it. And talk about who were the winners, who were the losers of this event, and where does this leave us after all of it's over. Let's start with uh, maybe a loser, Asa Hutchinson. Uh, he decided to come there, and I will give him some credit for showing up. I, you know, uh, really, the, if you're going to give somebody credit for not showing, or, or a break for not showing up, I guess it's Donald Trump, just because he's up by a lot and he doesn't have too much to gain right now by going to these things. And, you know, why, why bother risking uh, hurting yourself? At least that's one strain of thought. I know Steve Dace was talking about, uh, you know, Iowa voters are not going to like this. We'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, but I can understand why Trump thought, eh, I, don't, I don't need to show up to this. He also said he had a scheduling conflict. I don't, I don't know, uh, you know where he was, but look, you know, he's a busy guy. Um, Asa Hutchinson, not so busy. Plenty of availability. Schedule wide open. It may continue to be wide open after his performance at the actual event. Here's Asa Hutchinson talking uh, about uh, trans kids and the uh, particular bill he wound up vetoing that would have stopped some of these radical treatments treatments uh, going on in his state. Watch. I mean, this is a permanent change we are making to a child. Why would we allow that if we don't allow surgery? Well, you, permanent change is one issue, but also hormonal treatment is a different issue and can be a different issue. And whenever you look at the bill that I vetoed, there was not any grandfather clause in there. Again, uh, I respect legislators that have a different view, but I think independently, I think of the parents, I think of the Constitution, and actually the court, if you read the decision of the federal judge that struck it down as unconstitutional, really sided with parents as well. But how is, it, whenever, treat, but how is it treatment? I guess that's my question. If you have a child who says, who's born a boy, I want to become a girl, he hasn't gone through puberty yet, he's say 10. Is it treatment? to prevent him from going through the natural process of adolescence? How is that treatment? It, it seems not like treatment. It seems like something else. Well, you have to, 
Tucker, I hope that we'll be able to talk about some issues. I know that... Well, this is one of the biggest issues in the country, and I think every person in this room would agree that it is a a central issue because these are children who are being altered permanently, and you can defend that alteration, that change, if you like, but there's really no debate about whether or not it's permanent. That that was such a weird moment because, look, I, I understand... You want to brush this off. You know you're on the wrong side with the audience. But to say that I want to, I hope we get to talk about issues is sort of a tough stance to take when, he, when everyone knows this is one of the biggest issues to conservatives right now. Uh, what are we doing about this? This seems like a really weird road, and we don't want to go down it any farther. Why wouldn't you do something about this? Hutchinson on the on the wrong uh, side of that one uh, to the audience and. Just a, a, an issue of political malpractice. Forget the fact that I think he's completely wrong on this issue. He was already interviewed by Tucker Carlson on Tucker Carlson's show about this issue. So the fact that you would walk in to the this particular forum and not be better prepared to answer a question like this, maybe multiple questions like this, is just shocking. And I, you know, it's not like Asa Hutchinson has been lighting everything on fire. This is the first time anyone's really seen him do much of anything. You think you'd be prepared for that moment. Let's go over to Mike Pence, who also I thought had a rough day. Now I will give Pence a little bit of credit. Again, he showed up to this event. Um, this should be a really friendly crowd. He was defending his Ukraine view, and it's a view he has a real difference of opinion on from Tucker Carlson. So again, he must have known this was coming. Let me play you the kind of most shared clip uh, from this. Partially, this was taken out of context against Pence, but the, the tenor of this conversation really didn't go in a good direction. Watch. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. And yet your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. (laughs) Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. I'm running for president of the United States because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. I think Joe Biden has weakened America at home and abroad. And as president of the United States, we're going to restore law and order in our cities. We're going to secure our border. We're going to get this economy moving again. And we're going to make sure that we have men and women on our courts at every level that will stand for the right to life and defend all the God-given liberties enshrined in our Constitution. Anybody that says that we can't be the leader of the free world and solve our problems at home has a pretty small view of the greatest nation on earth. We can do both. And as President of the United States, we will secure our border, we will support our military, we will revive our economy and stand by our values, and we will also lead the world for freedom. It's a tough one because, I mean, Pence, this really should be his crowd uh, here, and it just didn't go over well. Now, if you look at the actual mechanics of the, the gaffe there where he says, that's not my concern, he, Tucker says, your concern seems to be the tanks in Ukraine And then he brings up the cities and says, why isn't that your concern? So he says concern twice. Pence, obviously not hearing or not listening to the end of his question, kind of answers the first one first. If you kind of you take it out, you take it out of there and you say, "Okay," he says, your concern seems to be the tanks in Ukraine. He says, that's not my concern. That would make some sense. Right. Maybe he's. But again, it was just a terrible gaffe. The, the conversation itself didn't go any better than that, though, really, for Pence. I mean, he did fight for a more muscular 
foreign policy as it relates to Ukraine, tried to make the case for it. Again, I want a candidate who's going to make the case for what they believe and not just be smarmy and say whatever they think the crowd wants to hear. So you give Pence a little bit of credit there. But, you know, it's interesting because on paper, I've said this before, on paper, Pence should have an argument here, right? Pence should be able to go to the voters in the GOP, of which there is a large percentage, and, and be able to go to them and say, hey, I was there for all the stuff you liked with Donald Trump. I was there. I was passing that stuff. I was working Congress. I was doing all of it. I agreed with all the things you liked about the Trump administration. But I'm not going to do all the stuff you didn't like, the tweeting and the fighting and uh, the, the, all that other stuff. Now, I don't think that's enough to win the nomination. I don't think people would buy that from him. But it's important to note he's not actually making that argument. He, he is, that is not the, what he's bringing to the table. What he's saying is essentially we're going to go back to sort of a 2012-ish type of Republican Party, which there is some appetite for in the Republican Party. Most of the time, Mike Pence has been third in the polls. He's not at 1% or 2%. He's usually 5 6 8% uh, in, the, in the polls. So it's not no audience for that anymore. But man, it's a small audience and it's being divided by a lot of these candidates. And that's really what was shocking about that. I mean, you know, Tim Scott and Nikki Haley were both kind of in that group where they have similar viewpoints on foreign policy uh, and, and a lot of policy issues. There's a lot of candidates in that one little group going for what used to be the majority of the Republican Party, but now seems like a significant minority of the Republican Party. I will say those people still do exist. And without them, you will not win this election. So there has to be some uh, ability to be able to talk to people who are more concerned with you know, the Russia-Ukraine situation and other foreign policy uh, concerns, um, because if you don't do that, you could lose those people because, you know, I don't know, Biden seems to be the guy who's talking about war all the time. There are people who do still support that view. Now, I think one winning way to talk to those people is to, not, is to discuss how Donald Trump actually governed. Because Donald Trump governed in a way that was closer foreign policy-wise to traditional sort of conservative values than the way he talks in public about it. Um, in fact, uh, if we could go to a couple of his viewpoints over the weekend, and th this is also an argument of why it's going to be really tough to beat Donald Trump, frankly. All the energy in the party, as we know, is sort of against the Ukraine war and, and funding it, especially in, in the primary audience. Donald Trump goes on with Maria Bartuomo uh, over the weekend. And here's what he says about Ukraine. First of all, he says, quote, I know Zelensky very well. I felt he was very honorable because when they asked him about the perfect phone call that I made, he said that it was indeed. He said that it was. Now, if, I don't know, Mike Pence said Zelensky's very honorable, or if Nikki Haley said that, it would be something that I would get tweets in my feed for hours and hours and hours from people who support Donald Trump saying that was a terrible comment and they've lost the party. But Trump can say these things and no one really seems to care. Another example, uh, I would tell Zelensky, this is how he's going to end the war in one day. I would tell Zelensky, no more. You got to make a deal. I would tell Putin, if you don't make a deal, we're going to give them, give him a lot. Zelensky, we're going to give Ukraine more than they ever got if we have to. I mean, that is pretty similar to what Joe Biden is bringing to the table right now and kind of the type of stuff that I think the Republican Party right now is super skeptical about unending funding to Ukraine. Uh, he's saying he would outdo what Biden is doing when it comes to funding Ukraine unless uh, Vladimir Putin decided he want to, wants to make a deal, which there's not really a ton of evidence he wants to do. So this is just I bring this up largely to just say, like, it's going to be really hard to beat Donald Trump.
When he could say stuff like that and just everyone kind of rolls, brushes it off their shoulder and says, ah, you know, he, he meant the right thing, whatever the right thing is. It's going to be tough to beat a candidate like that. It really is. Uh, let's go to Vivek Ramaswamy, who has been now mentioned uh, by Glenn Beck and, and then later by Donald Trump as a potential VP nominee. Here he is talking about the deep state. Something you can't say is that maybe January 6th, while appalling on one level, maybe it was not an insurrection. So let me let me talk about I've, I, haven't, I haven't talked about this much in the campaign. I'll be very honest with you. You want to know what caused January 6th? There's such a temptation to say that there's one man whose name is unspeakable. We well, can't. No, first of all, it's QAnon. It it's QAnon. It's QAnon. <laughs> you want to know what caused January 6th? Is pervasive censorship in this country in the lead up to January 6th? You tell people in this country they cannot speak, that is when they scream. You tell people they cannot scream. That is when they tear things down. And so the reality is, we were told that you could not question where the virus came from when we all knew it came from a lab in Wuhan, which now they admit. We were told that you could not send a private message to someone on the eve of an election that Hunter Biden's laptop story was actually a true story worth considering before an election. You were systematically suppressed. So this is, think about this. You told you had to be locked down, had to take a vaccine that was mandated and forced down your throat, stay locked down in your home while Antifa and BLM roam and burn the streets of this country. So that's the lead up of one full year of telling people you have to shut up, sit down, and do as you're told. And then you tell them, okay, there's an election where you didn't get the information that you needed, such as the Hunter Biden laptop story being real and suppressed. That's what caused January 6th, is a cycle of censorship in this country. And until we look ourselves in the mirror and admit truth on that, we will not move forward as a country. And I think that's the real cause. And, we're not, and I'm sorry to say this, Tucker, but I think until we reckon with that reality, I worry that that is the beginning of, it's a friendly parley compared to what's to come, unless we step up and speak truth, restore integrity, and actually lead us to who we are as a people, rather than sweeping the truth under the rug. You know, it's an interesting answer, because a lot of people are getting hung up on the details of whether they think that is exactly the right answer. Well, I think this caused it. Well, I think this caused it. But it's, a, it's an adept politician answer, right? He's, he knows the crowd doesn't want to hear something, uh, you know, about it being an insurrection. And of course, I don't, you know, you know my stance on that. I don't, it was a riot. It was not an insurrection. Um, but he's able to frame it in a way that, that plays to what his audience does want to hear. Um, and a lot of people are being critical. Oh, he's just telling the audience he's trying to get uh, applause. Well, you know, look, this is part of a politician's job is to take a question that is a little uh, difficult and try to frame it in a way that, can get across the fact that he didn't think it was a good thing. He never said, oh, well, I'm glad January 6th happened, or I hope there are more of them. He was able to kind of spin it in a way that that showed that there was other factors that we need to stop so that these things don't happen again. Uh, so again, Vivek did a very good job. He's good at this. I mean, Vivek Ramaswamy is good at this. He knows what he's doing. We, we have known here for a long time. He's a really good communicator, and, and the rest of the country is kind of finding that out right now. Um, let's go over to Ron DeSantis. Uh, he was the last one who spoke uh, at the, uh, with Tucker at the event, and he's had some criticism from the media, especially about his views on Ukraine. What is it, where does he actually stand on this? Well, he had a chance to answer that question. Europe needs to do more. This is their backyard. 
we can't we have nato countries that don't produce support for their own defenses and we're supposed to do it and we're taking away weapons and ammo that could go to respond to contingencies overseas so we would do more in terms of the pacific and the goal should be to bring it to a conclusion you bring it to a conclusion in a way that's a sustainable peace and that doesn't reward uh, aggression, and you have to be able to use different levers uh, that you have. I mean, for example, one of the leverages I would use vis-a-vis uh, -vis Russia is I would do our own energy uh, exploration uh, and send it over to Europe so they don't have to rely on Putin. I would stop uh, giving Iran a free pass like Biden is because they're funding Russia. So we have some ability to, to use this, uh, but the goal should be we cannot have a quagmire that goes on for years and years. And seeing Biden put those troops there, I can tell you, we cannot have American troops in Ukraine. That is a total non-starter. All right, Ron DeSantis, I thought he did a pretty good job. Uh, he didn't, I don't think he set the world on fire, but I thought he was solid and maintained his position there. So let's take all the policy, the actual policy questions out of there and just talk performance. Uh, rank the candidates one through six. And here's what I came up with. Again, just performance. How much did they help themselves as opposed to did they hurt themselves at all? Uh, number one, I had Vivek Ramaswamy, who again had a lot to gain, not too much to lose, and I thought was impressive. A lot of people talking about Ramaswamy after that. Uh, two, Ron DeSantis. DeSantis did well. He's a good candidate. I mean, people, you know, the media keeps trashing him as this, this horrible candidate. I thought he did a good job. He knows policy. He obviously has a real record, unlike Vivek, who obviously has not run anything uh, outside of, uh, you know, private sector stuff, which of course is important but DeSantis has that governing experience. Number three, I had Nikki Haley. We didn't talk about Haley too much there, uh, but she did. She was pretty good. I thought she, she handled the questions well. She did not get questions about some of her more vulnerable areas with the audience from Tucker, but I thought she handled the questions she did get very well, and all you can do is uh, beat the schedule they put in front of you. So I thought she did pretty well. Number four, Tim Scott. Scott I like, but he, he has a little bit of a quirky energy and had this thing where he was getting up in the middle of the conversation and walking around rather than just talking to Tucker, which is a little off-putting maybe, um, but he, I don't think he had any disastrous answers. I don't think he hurt himself at all. Just don't think he really helped himself. Mike Pence, I think, did hurt him himself. Again, this should be a home run type of event for him, being that he's in kind of known as a religious conservative and a religious audience. He just doesn't get along with Tucker. They really disagree. And it was, it was a tough spot for Mike Pence uh, in an interview, uh, honestly, that did not suit his strengths uh, particularly well. And Asa Hutchinson doesn't seem to have any strengths. So... Uh. He finished dead last. Now, one person who had an interaction with Asa Hutchinson while we were there was our own Sarah Gonzalez. We have the video of that, and we'll show it to you coming up. You know, I really love the Upside app. Why? Because I love money. Yes, I know. Money, mo money, mo problems. But with Upside, I get mo money without the mo problems. It's true. Uh, you go to get some gas. You, you want to get, you want to save some cash on the gas? Well, you can. You can actually now earn an extra 25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of gas if you use the promo code STU when you sign up for Upside. Uh, you can claim an offer for whatever you're buying at Upside. And it's not just gas. It's, you know, they've got restaurants as well. Uh, in comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, 
programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. So why wouldn't you? Upside doesn't sell your personal information to third parties. They know that your information is a vital part of their uh, trusted relationship with you, so they don't screw you over. Download the free Upside app and use the promo code STU to get an extra 25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of gas. 25 cents extra back for every gallon on your first tank of gas using the promo code STU, so you might as well do it. It's the Upside app. The promo code is STU uh, with the Upside app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. I want to bring in Sarah Gonzalez to get her reaction on this uh, crazy Friday. I mean, it was really a pretty cool event. It was. It was. I'm, pr- I'm, I'm proud of us, Stu. Yes. Here at Blaze TV, we kind of changed the game a little bit. It really was a different event. I mean, I, I've watched so many of these things over the years, and the typical reaction is I learned nothing, right? <laughs> like, that's kind of how I feel about them, right? Like, yeah. you, you see these people come out here, they, they do their little talking points. Usually they're battling with some mainstream media personality who, who has an agenda. Has an agenda, yeah. and ask questions that I bet are interesting to Rachel Maddow. Right. Right? Like, I, it's probably the question she wants to hear asked, but like, she's not a Republican primary voter. And I thought that was kind of the difference of what we saw on Friday as compared to the typical mainstream media crap. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. The right questions were asked. And not only were the right, right questions asked, but when there was not an answer, a clear answer given, uh, there was follow up, I think, when appropriate, which is why you resulted seeing the, uh, the meltdown that took place for couple of the campaigns. Uh, a couple of the candidates had some rough moments. Let, let's start there. Um, and I want to get to you. You had an interaction with Asa Hutchinson I want to mm-hmm. get to in a minute. He was kind of the guy that came in here with no attention. He was at zero or one percent in every single poll that I had seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's talking about Asa Hutchinson. So you can make the argument, ah, maybe it's smart for him to go, right? Like try to do something to get some attention going for him. He did get some attention from this event. <laughs> Unfortunately, not necessarily positive attention. So I feel like if you're going in there relatively unknown and you want that positive attention from the media, you don't go into the forum expecting expressing to people that you are fine with uh, children having irreversible damages done to their bodies. I feel like, I feel like, <laughs> like if you just put your finger up in the air and said, which way is the wind blowing? What should I not say? It should be literally everything that Asa Hutchinson said mm. about, uh, of course, transing the kids. Yeah, you know, he obvi- what, I, what I think was like maybe most shocking about that is not that Asa Hutchinson is wrong on this particular issue. It's that he's already been interviewed by Tucker Carlson about this thing. It was already the thing everyone was talking about coming in. Mm-hmm. And yet here he is talking to Tucker Carlson, the same person on a stage with a bunch of pastors in the audience. And he seemed to have no idea that this would come up. He didn't seem to have prepared for it at all. He didn't. And I mean, what was so shocking to me, I think, is that when Tucker actually raises, you know, these questions, you hear applause from the audience. And instead of kind of feeling that applause and going, oh, maybe it's not a good idea for me to say, I hope we get to the real issues now, Tucker. uh, He's just like, you know what? I'm going all in. I'm going to piss off every single person in in this audience and I don't even care. I mean, it is truly remarkable that you could get caught like that unprepared. Were you surprised that he was even there? Yes. Because I feel like while, I don't know, 
Chris Christie is not going to win the nomination either, he at least has people talking about him a little bit. Right? Right. I mean, Larry Elder, for example, who's running for president and getting no attention, is at least a good commentator and could talk to a conservative audience with some knowledge. Right. Asa Hutchinson just seemed like a fish out of water. Yeah, um, and I think that he will be going home very soon, back to his family, <laughs> so good news for them. Yeah, is um, it? Well, we don't know that for sure. That's true. Maybe bad news for them. I'm not sure. He seemed to be very smarmy. Um, I've had an interaction with him, and I, I didn't find him to be particularly charming, so you're right. Maybe not good news for Yeah, let's share the video here in just a second of that, because this is uh, this was amazing. But let's go through the candidates first here. Yeah. The other one I thought had a, a real rough night was Mike Pence. Yes. And, you know, there's two parts of this, right? Like he had a real gaffe where he said, it's, you know, it's not my concern. We played the clip earlier, which at some level was almost a misstatement. Like mm-hmm. you kind of hear his after the words after it. And he sort of is explaining that he does care about the cities. It just came off really badly. You understand what he meant when you yeah. get the full answer. But I, I still wholeheartedly disagree with his sentiment. <laughs> right. I mean, you can yeah. still disagree. But uh, the rest of the interaction to focus on that maybe more it's him trying to make this hawkish, muscular uh, argument for policy in Ukraine. And I don't know, in 2012, I think that would have done pretty well. In 2023, it did not seem to land. No, of, of course not, especially when you've got a base who is so angry about all of the money, billions of dollars that's being sent to a foreign country while we're watching a crisis going on at our own border. Mm-hmm. And the arrogant Mike Pence has the audacity to say, well, I think you're just really small minded if you don't believe that we can do both at once. Like, well, we're not, for starters. <laughs> Right. We're not yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, and also eventually we do run out of money. So to say that we can just be the world's police in every single place whenever someone needs us and also take care of our people at home is just simply not true. Yeah, and it's also uh, at some level not a conservative argument, right? No. Like the, the argument can't possibly be that government can do everything. Right. Right, like we can't do any of this crap, right? We can't, not only can we not walk and chew gum at the same time, we can't do either separately. Right. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, I mean, I, I try to point this out as often as possible that they always, all of these uh, warmongers always constantly say, well, I mean, it's just for freedom. We we uh, we like democracy. We want to help other people have democracy. We want to help other people be free. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because if you did, you would be in all of these African areas where there's a geographical conflict. You'd be in all of these other places uh, where you see all of these geographical conflicts and you see people who are not free. You'd be paying more attention to China, who has people in re-education camps. Like, you would be paying way more attention to all of the human rights abuses happening all across the world. And instead, you happen to be focusing on the one place where uh, we can launder the most money. Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it is very. There's some skepticism that that's appropriate there. I mean, I, I give Pence credit for at least going and defending his position. But again, it's like it's tough because I think if you go back a few years, he does have the position of the party. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's like some foreign argument to conservatives to say we need to step into these situations. But like to not recognize that the party has moved and, you know, that that recognition probably comes before you announce you're running. Right. Like that's probably the right to understand. Like like, there's no chance of me winning this here. I should not do it. Yeah. But 
several of these people have decided they're going to jump in anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that Asa Hutchinson and Mike Pence, I think, have the same problem. They are so old and have been doing this for so long that they have not moved with the party. They're still stuck in a party that doesn't exist and they have not evolved because, no offense to any aging people out there, but mm. sometimes the older you get, the harder it is to change your position on something, right? Because this is just, this is what you've done for all this time. And so I really think, like, they don't have the capability to, like, reboot and say, oh, wait, this is out of touch with with the base because they still remember that base from 20 years ago and that's all that they remember now tim scott was there as well he led off the conference <laughs> and you know he has some of the similar views on ukraine we could talk about that a little bit yeah. as well but i think what, what struck me with scott is like he has this really quirky energy to him so right like and i don't know that i don't know i don't know that i understand it i don't absolutely hate it. I kind of like the optimism, but it, it just comes off as like, I don't know, inauthentic. I, I completely agree. I found it to be completely disingenuous. I thought that it was so weird that he stood up. Yeah. I mean, this is supposed to be a personable one-on-one. -on -one. You and I are sitting here and you're sitting in that chair and I'm sitting in this chair right. and we're having a conversation. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what was supposed to happen, which should have been indicated by, oh, I don't know, the chair that was sitting there that he kept standing out of. Yeah, he would. That's your first indication you're supposed to sit. Yeah, like the idea that he would just stand up and, and walk around, like it felt like he was trying to make a speech rather than actually have a conversation. Yes, and, and I just felt that his energy did come off as very disingenuous. At one point, they were talking about immigration, and he turned to Tucker and said, I'm going to make you my bye-bye ambassador. And I was like, that is <laughs> so corny. Please don't ever say that again. And also, it, it just felt really fake to me. Yeah. Which, yeah. by the way, I will point out, I do have a very good track record of finding the inauthentic fake people because I did tell you guys you did. a number of years mm -hmm. ago, Kamala Harris is the most mm -hmm. disingenuous politician ever. And that's proven to be very accurate. Thank you. Uh, although it's, uh, there's a long list there. I mean, she's well, toward there. the top of the list. I wouldn't say she's the okay, most, fair. but she's up there at the top. Fair, but, but, but I remember having a conversation about like, well, she just seems so relatable and personable. And yeah. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Uh, so let me, let me play devil's advocate a little bit on the Ukraine thing sure. for a second. In 2014, Russia invades Crimea. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the conservative position of that time is essentially complaining about Barack Obama having a red line, allowing them to cross it, and doing nothing about it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which leads them, I think, I think there's a fair argument to say that that red line being broken leads them to say, I guess we can kind of do whatever we want over here. And their invasion comes, you know, several years later when another Democrat is in there. Like, we've made that argument with Trump, or Trump said, I'm not going to give up these red lines, mm -hmm. and they didn't invade. So now Obama's in, or excuse me, Biden is in. They do basically invade. <laughs> it's basically the same thing, except a little more incoherent. Obama 2.0. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, cons the conservative energy seems to be essentially we shouldn't be involved in this at all. Can you give any credit to Scott and Pence and whoever else is, uh, maybe Haley as well, saying that they're sticking to their guns that they would have had in 2014, where the party is kind of just switched? No, because, <laughs> because um, it's not just that myopic. I think you have to take a step back and look at the overall wellness of America before mm -hmm. you start deciding what type of conflicts you want to be in. And we just went through an unprecedented, you know, almost three years of total government tyranny, uh, a ridiculous, uh, unprecedented amount of money being spent on financial aid because the government shut your businesses down, by the way, right? Which makes right. no sense at all. They literally didn't allow you to work and then you have to pay more money mm. into the system because they didn't allow you to work. Work that one out, I challenge you to do that. And so, I, you know, you have the border crisis going on, you have the fentanyl crisis going on, you have homeless veterans out on the streets. Like, we are dealing with unprecedented levels of just 
really bad things going on in this country. Now is not the time to be telling us we are going to be involved in Ukraine for as long as it takes. Oh, and I just it just blows my mind that they don't give credit to Donald Trump. I mean, you have to look at why is Russia invading right now? Because they see a weak leader. Right. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, yes, it could have absolutely 100 percent be prevented. It was prevented when Donald Trump was president for four years. And so that's why it's just so frustrating to hear that, like, oh, we just need to be in this for the long haul. Well, why? Because it should have never happened. And the fact that it did happen, Joe Biden is partially responsible for. Mm. I don't want to have to pay for that. I don't want to have to send my children to that. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Mm. Now, I think Nikki Haley would have had about as tough a time as Scott and, and Pence did in this room. Except that, really, Tucker didn't go down that road at all with her. Yeah, um, she, fascinating. That one, and also the Disney, Disney. stuff, which was mm-hmm. I thought were going to be a problem area for her. He didn't really go those directions. And because of that, I thought Haley performed better than Pence and Scott. Uh, she didn't have to answer those questions. And I thought her, she didn't really get pushed mm-hmm. as much, but mm-hmm. I thought her answers were halfway decent. I agree. I don't think it moved the needle at all, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone was like, you know what? I, well, I was on the fence and now I'm definitely voting for Nikki Haley. Right. I, I just don't see that happening. But I do agree with you. And I have to wonder if it was a uh, a gender thing going on that Tucker felt like it might be perceived as too harsh if he mm. really pushed her on some of these on some of these questions i really would have liked to have heard her answer for disney especially now that she's had some time to reflect on how horrible her word choice was yeah. and what a horrible position she had i really would like to hear her her take on it now cuz i think that one is even closer to what the base cares about that and cuz ukraine is a, obviously a vital issue yep. i mean i'm very very concerned that we're just going to be in world war 3 any moment right. um but like the woke thing is something that I think most of those candidates can kind of hit out of the park, and she's the one that that kind of went the wrong way on it. Yep. It would have been interesting to hear a little bit more from her. I want to go to the top, sorry, maybe the top two uh, candidates here yes. in a second. Get your views on that, and also your um, your uh, interaction with the very bottom tier, Asa Hutchinson. <laughs> Coming back in just a second with Sarah Gonzalez. Okay, so I think there was a split between the candidates we've talked about so far, talking to Sarah Gonzalez about the Friday Blaze Media Summit, and maybe the top two performers, which I, I thought were Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. Mm-hmm. DeSantis needed to have a good day. I thought he did. I yeah. thought he was solid. Ramaswamy, not a lot of expectations coming out of him, and I thought he did very well. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that if you were to give one person, like, the winner mm-hmm. award, okay. I would say that it was Vivek only because, not because I felt like he uh, is is better at this than Ron DeSantis as far as policy goes, but I think that he had the most, like, he needed to do the most to gain more notoriety, to gain yeah. more name recognition, more to, to elevate himself. Right. He had more to gain, and I think that he did do that, especially for from the standing ovation that we saw him get um, over in Iowa. So he did resonate with with the the you know the people who were at that conference. I think that a lot of people were impressed by his answers, particularly on January 6th. And so I, if I had to pick, I would pick him as the winner of that particular debate or mo- uh, forum. Obviously, that doesn't mean he like goes past Donald Trump in the polls. I don't see anyone doing that. Right, right, right. Which is, I think, also important to note. Like, at the end of the day, does this even matter for any of the candidates? Maybe. I don't know. It is still early. Yeah. But Donald Trump really is still dominating in the polls. And I think DeSantis, with a bad day, right. could have been really hurt by this yes. event. 
Yes. Um, I don't think that he had in a day that's going to shoot him above no. Donald Trump either, but I think he did enough to keep him in that uh, second position solidly. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. And I, I would also say that I think that most of that is just due to the fact that uh, DeSantis has already, because he's been in the limelight for so long, he's mm. already covered all of these topics, right? Yeah. Like he's already said his position on Ukraine. We already know that he's going against the LGBT ideology in Florida. Like we already ha we already know what his policies are. So there was nothing surprising that was said, which I, I think is why you use the term solid, which is like, well, there's nothing new or surprising or shocking, good or bad. Yeah. He was he was his his solid self. He did. He did. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. I think uh, we've heard so much about Ron DeSantis over the past few months. And, and the narratives have been basically, hey, I thought he was going to be your savior. And essentially, uh, you know, he's now holding 30 points behind Trump. Mm -hmm. So essentially a, a, a disappointing campaign narrative has been one thing. Right. And the other thing is that he's actually not good on the campaign uh, trail. He's impersonable. He, people don't like him when they hear him speak. I didn't think that was true at all. I thought he was. I thought he was totally fine. He was funny at times. He really knows his stuff. He's 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 good at this. I think. Mm -hmm. um, I and agree. like, I mean, I don't know. I, am I the only one who's not surprised that he's not kicking the butt of the actual former president of the United States and the most famous person in the world? Like, that's not a shock to me. It's a hard thing to do. Well, I mean, also couple that with the fact that he, you know, the former president is being politically persecuted in a way that is completely yeah. unprecedented, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they are they are weaponizing the federal government system and the judicial system to try to throw him in jail mm -hmm. for having some papers in his bathroom. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like completely preposterous. Do you have any papers in your bathroom, Sarah? I, I might. Oh, my God. The DOJ might come raid my house <laughs> Any day time. now. I don't know. And so I think yeah. that there's no way to know how that's going to play out when you throw your name into the ring. I'm glad you brought that up because doesn't that essentially explain the entire dynamic right now? Yeah. I mean, when... When the initial polling comes out with Trump and DeSantis, DeSantis is closer. But at that time, yep. Trump had just come off of you know, nominating or recommending a bunch of candidates who lost. And DeSantis won by 20 points. Since then, the this news cycle has just been in Trump's favor and it's moved towards his direction. I don't know that, that what we see now makes him completely unbeatable, but it does make him the heavy favorite, which he should have been the entire time. Mm -hmm. But if the news switches, if Trump has some bad days, if bad things happen, if DeSantis goes on the view and, and knocks them all down and gets a great sound clip out of it, I still think there could be movement in this campaign. I don't think it's a sure thing either way. I, I think it's never a sure thing until people go to the voting booths and, and cast their ballot and, you know, then random things happen uh, at those voting <laughs> locations afterwards, ah. but we won't get into that. Um, I, I don't think it's a sure thing at all. Um, I think that Donald Trump really does need to stay on his toes. Um, mostly because we don't know how this judicial process will shake out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, yeah, I, I think that DeSantis shouldn't pay too close attention to the polls, but he really does need to, I'll put it this way, he can't have a bad performance yeah. from here on out. Yeah, that's, that could be a problem. All right, um, and I, I, we should also talk about uh, the real threat to Trump's campaign, of course, the ascendancy of Asa Hutchinson yes. and his uh, <laughs> big run for the presidency. I want to show the clip of Sarah interacting with Asa Hutchinson. This is after his catastrophic interview with Tucker Carlson. So, I mean, in a way, you're sort of beating a dead horse. Mm -hmm. uh, I take pleasure in that. Exactly. <laughs> Here's the clip. <laughs> What would you say to all of the detransitioners who, as children, were mutilated and given irreversible puberty blockers, uh, had irreversible damage done to their bodies with hormone therapy, with puberty blockers, because they had mentally ill parents and they had politicians who chose not to do anything about it? What would you say to that growing group of people? Yeah. Well, if there's a, a, a error that's been made uh, by the physicians that recommended that treatment, then there is a civil cause of action 
uh, for uh, malpractice uh, for that purpose and for the damage that's been done. Uh, and and so that to me is a uh, is, is an approach that's been traditional in our country when there's been errors and wrongdoing. So they could have their they could have money, but they can't get their sexual organs back. Well, uh, I answered that if there's. Uh, Whenever there is a loss, that is the recovery that our system of justice provides. That's an amazing answer. So Casey couldn't quite make out the audio. If the detransitioner has these issues, they're irreversible. He, they can sue for medical, mal malpractice. medical malpractice and get some cash, I guess, to mm -hmm. pay themselves off. But I guess the question is, why not try to prevent it before that happens? Right, which was, is my next logical question to Asa Hutchinson is, if you are saying that chopping off children's genitals is, in fact, medical malpractice, why did you not ban it when you had the chance? Mm. <laughs> but you didn't get a chance to ask that no, question, uh, nor would he answer it if you no, did. Uh, fascinating day. I will say, though, fascinating day to, to hear from these candidates. And, you know, as much as we would have, it would have been nice to have Trump there, I think without him there, it gave people a chance to kind of like focus on what these other candidates were saying and, yeah. and sort of eliminate a few of them from their consideration. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, I really, really wanted him to be there just because I thought, God, he would perform so well side by side with Tucker being asked these questions and not having to worry about anyone else's answers. Mm just focusing on, you know, going all in. I think that he could have provided a really good moment, but I understand and I, and I agree with you. I think that it was good to hear from uh, these other candidates without being overshadowed. All right. Sarah Gonzalez, host, of course, of the News and Why It Matters. Make sure you check out the podcast. Uh, she uh, is on every single day. Sarah, thanks so much. Thank you. So have you been given bad advice about your retirement savings? Uh, if you were told to max out your 401k, you've lost a much bunch in the market somehow. Um, you know, look, the casino usually, uh, usually wins. It's not usually you, it's usually the house. Uh, they get paid whether you win or you lose. There's a better way to grow your nest egg. It's bank on yourself. It's a guaranteed and predictable retirement plan alternative that gives you 100% control of your money, plus tax-free income in retirement. There's no luck, there's no skill, there's no guesswork required. Your plan doesn't go backward when the markets tumble. That's the key thing. It goes up when the markets go up. It doesn't go down when the markets go down. That's really cool. Your principal and your growth are locked in. It would be nice to be protected from the tax tsunami in retirement, and Bank on Yourself is the strategy that can help you with this. You know, Huge businesses like McDonald's have used this when no banker would lend them a dime, and almost anyone can do it. It's a built-in inflation protection and the ultimate peace of mind for your retirement. You've got to learn about this. Get a free report with all the details on the, how the Bank on Yourself strategy actually adds guarantees, predictability, tax savings, and control to your financial plan. Go to bankonyourself.com slash stew, bankonyourself.com slash Get this information. You need to know it. It's bankonyourself.com slash stew. There was so much that happened at the Blaze Media Summit, and I encourage you to sign up, blazetv.com slash stew. The code SUMMIT should get you 30 bucks off. Check that out. You'll get access to an, uh, a special interview. It was pretty long, too. Uh, Glenn Beck interviewing Tucker Carlson. Really interesting. Went into not only his reaction to what he had just done for the day, interviewing these candidates, the big moments, uh, but also some of the stuff that's gone on with him. Uh, he, he asked about the Ray Epps lawsuit. He talked about the, the, the departure from Fox. I mean, it really was an interesting interview. It's available for Blaze TV subscribers. 
subscribers only, blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is Summit. Another incredible thing that happened at this uh, event was Governor Kim Reynolds. She was, uh, of course, the Iowa governor, very, very popular in Iowa, one of the most popular governors in the country. Uh, she came in and actually signed a brand new uh, abortion uh, uh, pro-life bill uh, at the actual summit. It was pretty cool. She came in and did the whole signing uh, right on stage. This is a bill that banned abortion, uh, most abortions, after six weeks. Uh, and of course, uh, the left always has an answer for such things, and they did here, no exception. Of course, Justin, judge, temporarily blocks Iowa's new ban on abortion after about six weeks of pregnancy, making them legal again for now. Now, we don't know how this is going to unwind. My guess is uh, this is going to be overturned again and it will eventually become law. But as seems to be the case with these activist judges, they can't take it. When, whenever there's something that rules on their side, they're super happy and it's a settled law. But when something goes against them, they have to just ignore it completely. And that's what's happened here. It's happened with guns a hundred times. It just it seems to be the, the way that all this uh, works. But I do expect eventually this law to go through in the state of Iowa and this ban will go through. Kind of interesting to be kind of part of history. And you were part of it as well, especially if you're a Blaze TV subscriber. We do appreciate it again. It's blazetv.com slash stew. If you think, you know, the media sucks and I don't want them to do this stuff anymore. I'd rather have, people got more out of this than I think the last 10 mainstream media events uh, that we've seen. Uh, so if you want more of this, it's important to sign up and help support uh, this, uh, this, this channel and, and, and the efforts that we're making here. I think, I think a lot of people really enjoyed it and I, we'd love to do more of them. blazetv.com slash do. The code is summit. Well, if you saw all the candidates, you're trying to make up your mind who you want to vote for. I can tell you exactly who to vote for. Anyone. But Joe Biden. Yes, it's available now. Anyone but Biden 24. It looks like kind of like a Biden campaign shirt or mug. And you get closer, you see the anyone but uh, above it. And people like that reveal. Anyway, uh, stewdoesmerch.com is a place to go to get it. Stewdoesmerch.com. The code is stew10. You can save 10% off right now with that code, stew10. Website is stewdoesmerch.com. Got a lot of other great uh, conservative merchandise up there as well. Get you ready for the big campaign season. All right, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.